In the directive of the Holy Spirit this morning, God said, I want you to pray a prayer of restoration. And so I wanted to discover what is, what is this that you're talking about this morning, God. We know that, you know, that can be so broad. And of course, the book of Joel talks about restoration. And the Apostle Peter taps into the book of Joel when the Holy Spirit had fallen and began to identify that this was a restoration act of God. The Holy Spirit had come to restore things that had, you know, deteriorated, that had been lost. What's interesting is, is that in Joel chapter 2 there, there's been four years, four years of loss has taken place. The efforts and the energy and the work of the people had went into their fields, representing, of course, our lives and our vocations. And every year something would happen that would destroy the harvest and the results. And God says, you know, that take what I'm going to do. You've had some mess-ups in your life. Sin has went ahead and really taken its toll. It's ruined many aspects. But I'm going to come and I'm going to do something about that. And so he uses four elements of destruction that is happening to you and I. It doesn't mean a lot until we understand how it applies to us. There's the locust, there's the canker worm, there's the caterpillar, and there's the palmer worm. And, you know, unless you're some kind of, you know, uh, scientist that deals in those arenas, I mean, I kind of know what a caterpillar is, but not a caterpillar in, in this realm. But here's what has happened. The locusts had come in and it means multitude. And so in that first year, there was a multitude of difficulties that happened. A multitude of difficulties had just ruined the year. And as a result of those multitudes of difficulties, that small, still voice of God is drowned out. You had heard from God and used to be so sensitive and used to be there, and all of a sudden it just seems like, where is that voice? Difficulties have, you know, went ahead and impaired that, that element. And then there's the canker worm. And each one of these words, when they're spelled out, brings this meaning in to us. And uh, if you want to see me afterwards for the details of it, that's fine. But the canker worm means to lick or lap. In the letters that are used there means to, you know, indicate the loss of hope. And so the first one, you know what I mean? It's just an overwhelming multitude of things. And then the canker worm result is to begin to remove hope from you, to diminish your expectation and your anticipation. 
This is the second year. Year number one was so many difficulties. Year number two is the events that happened that begin to deplete hope. So that canker worm licks away your hope. Then the caterpillar. Caterpillar means chisel or to, to devour. And the words again spelt out means to devour with fear. When you have difficulties and you lose hope, fear begins to set in. Because, you know, things have just kind of gotten out of control. So he devours with fear. And then the palmer worm. This is the fourth year. How many know that four years of devastation is a long time? Especially when they're on the heels of each one. There's no good years that were happening. And I use these phrases because, you know, these are relevant to life. Multitudes of difficulties, loss of hope, fear sets in. And then the palmer worm, when spelled out correctly, means sorrow and grief. And so we have, you know, a downward spiral here that has finally ended up where you're filled with grief that is cutting off from you the joys of life. You're living and life is going on, but the joys of life is, you know, it's diminished because sorrow and grief. And the combination of those four robbers and stealers, you know, have brought you to this point. And God says, I'm going to go ahead and restore it. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and restore it. Now, what you're going to notice that is that he doesn't start with number one in restoration. He starts with number four in restoration. The King James Version. He starts with the restoration of the joy. Which begins to perpetuate and move through us so that grief begins to, you know, have to dissipate like the clouds that fade away. And then, of course, hope begins to come back. And then difficulties, they can't come near the shores of your life. And God says, I'm going to restore. So will you stand with me this morning? I don't know how that might relate to your life. It may not be four years. It may just be a year or two years. It may be longer than that. But if any of those you can identify with, you could use an increase and somehow those enemies of your life have went ahead and been in your field. I'm going to pray for restoration. Hallelujah. Pastor Don's not the restorer. Jesus Christ is the restorer. 
You can break it down. You can break it down to, you know, it may be in your employment, your vocation. It may be in the family. It could be breakdowns in siblings. It can be breakdowns in husbands and wives. It could be breakdowns in dreams that somehow, you know what I mean, got robbed before, you know, they reached their full maturity. They never really got to your table. You put the effort in, you worked it, but right at the harvest time when it was to be yours, something moved in and destroyed it and you never really got to taste of it. It never got on your table. God says, I'm going to, if you believe in me, if you believe in Jesus Christ, he said, I'll go ahead and I'll take and I'll get it back to your table. Back to your table. Hallelujah. Now let me tell you that it's really important. You know what I mean? That Jesus Christ has made, you know, a, a remedy for your sin. Sin had got them into this place, but the redemptive love of Jesus Christ was good and get them out of it. Jesus Christ has died, shed his blood, you know, and has outstretched hands today to saying, I will forgive you of your sin. Now, I need it. We all need it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And so he starts by forgiving them. That's right, church. You read it. He starts by forgiving them. They haven't made the move yet. He starts by forgiving them. You know, and says, I'm going to restore. So I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. I want you to believe and pray a prayer this morning in your new heart that God's going to restore. Hallelujah. All of those things, or one of those things that have caused a negative in your life. Okay? Amen. Multitude, you know, of difficulties. Loss of hope. A fear that is set in and sorrow and grief that is there. Now, please understand, I know that there are those here this morning as our good friends and members of the church. They're, they're going through a sorrowful period of time and there's got to be time for that, okay? Jody and Clayton's loss. We have loss of uh, pages. Father, we're not hurrying those processes out this morning. I'm not suggesting hurrying up those processes. But if you, we're talking about calamities and difficulties that are run, all right? So would you pray with me this morning? And, and if you feel comfortable, maybe your wife, husband next to you or someone that's a friend that's next to you, you can take their hand and, as we pray and believe together. Father, this morning, you made a pledge by yourself. And you said that when you swear, you swear by yourself. You are not swearing by humanity. 
You don't even swear by the angels as great as they are. You said you swear by yourself. You make a promise by yourself. So I thank you today, Lord, for each individual that may have experienced, have suffered loss. It needs a restoration. I pray and I make the statement that you made. You will restore. And so we release the spirit of restoration today. Just as the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit come, you release the spirit of restoration. And I thank you that it is here. It is in the earth that's among us. And we direct the spirit of restoration this morning to individuals, to families, to households. God, to businesses, to jobs, to employments, to health, to losses. Father, restore, restore, restore. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, amen. I've, I've got to clarify and help with the word Jane. Because see, that's a term we might use in church, but it might not be a, t a term that's readily understood what it is. A chain is, is anything that, that is, you know, empowering your life in a negative way. A chain is something that is tying you and holding you from going and making progress. And so when we say his power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, you know, it is a habit that's not good for you. Now, it's an appetite that is destructive and is destroying, you know, your spiritual life, your emotional life, any of those things. Those are, those are changes, so that's what we mean when we sing, He can break every, every chain. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'll, I'll break it for you. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise, and let's change the order of the service, all right? Amen. You've heard me say that we want to get the blessing to your house. And I believe that that's what God was trying to do and is trying to do when it comes to come when he sent Jesus Christ. He's, God's got, uh, you know, blessings. First thing he wants to give you is eternal life. You know, you can, you can run through life and have the best of life and, you know, uh, but if you don't get eternal life, it's pretty dead in the street. Pretty dead end street, and, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's a very hot dead end street. <laughs> but it, there's there's no reason to 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 go away not having eternal life, because Jesus Christ, He is eternal life. And uh, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. And once you become a son of God, of course, you know what I mean. Part of the family of God, you're part of the destiny of God, and the eternalness of God. So, the um, uh, first thing that God wants to bring into your house is, is eternal life. Wants to, to know that your destiny, uh, not only in life, but after life, is secure. And then God's whole household, God's whole itinerary, when, when he made this universe and before it was corrupted and interrupted by sin, was good. And while 
the, the element and the corruptedness of sin has not gone away. He has provided a remedy and a channel by which it does not have the power over your life. And so uh, God wants to get, <clears throat> get his blessings to your house. Now that is without partiality. It's not, you know, one house preferred over another house. For God so loved the world. All the households. All the individuals in the household, God loved it. So much so that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Lee, there is, you know, a natural life that just functions, you know, and you can go through the many years that you have and <clears throat> without that abundant life. But there's an abundant life that he wants to give us. This morning, <clears throat> I want to talk about and submit to you trying to get that blessing into your house and shape your perspective uh, uh, on how you are to live life and operate as a believer. As a believer. And so I have some scriptures that we're going to bring up and from these we're going to develop a, you know, our concept and ideas. Uh, do we have those, Andy? All right. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God is, is letting the people know that he has some real plans for them. Now, in there, he's got some conditions. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bypassing those. But, you know, God is trying to get this type of blessing to your house. He says, then these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. God really has blessings in which he says, you know, you're not going to have to pursue them. They're going to pursue you. Next verse, Andy. Here's a passage of scripture that we're going to be referencing, you know what I mean? And uh, 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 the, uh, uh, the, the transition from the days of miracle to the days of blessing. And it says that the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. You can understand that one? The source of, you know, their provision now has changed. And the means of their provision. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And in Galatians chapter 3, <clears throat> Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. There was a curse, and there is a curse over your life, independent of Jesus Christ. But if you receive Jesus Christ, that curse is broken. Amen. All right? And it's broken for a purpose. Because there was an interruption of how to get the blessing to your house. And a blessing that he promised, you know what I mean, when he began to inaugurate getting the blessing to the houses. 
when he called Abraham. He started it in a small form, but it's enlarged into, you know, cover the whole earth. He says, I've done this that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. In other words, you were not of the blood lineage, you know, of Abraham. You now can still participate and be part of the blessing of Abraham because of Jesus Christ. That we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And of course, the connecting factor is the Spirit of the Lord. Connecting factor is the Spirit of the Lord. So, number one, blessings are miracles without a doubt. I believe that life is a miracle. I do. I don't take anything for granted, even if they are formed from natural laws. I believe that the seed is put in the ground. That's a miracle. The comparative thing is that a, a small acorn can make a big oak tree. That just does not, you know. But it is both a miracle and yet it is so natural. Holding within it the capacity and the potential of something far greater and more, you know, almost unimaginable can come out from that. But understand the difference between blessings and miracles. Understanding also that miracles are blessings and blessings are miracles. But miracles are God working for you. And blessings are God, is God working with you. You will see that and you will discover that. God working for you and God working with you. Which one is God's best? Miracles or blessings? Or both. A miracle is a surprising event, not normal, a work of divine agency, by and large, is independent of natural laws. <coughs> by and large, it's outside this, the sphere and the, the realm of the touch of humanity. Blessings, on the other hand, are those things that are endowed with God's favor and protection, act or words conducive to happiness or welfare and the condition that fulfill those good words. It is to be fully satisfied. It's to enjoy the divine favor of God. So, while miracles are more spectacular, blessings are longer lasting. Now I know you're recoiling a little bit. Because everybody loves spectacular. But he said, I want the blessing of Abraham to come upon you. I want your life to have the divine favor of God. Now it's true that we serve a God of miracles. And I'm not minimizing miracles this morning because I believe 
in miracles. I believe that Jesus still does miracles. But God wants to bless your life such that you're not going to always be in need of miracles. God wants his blessings chasing you. I want to ask you the question. You want to live by God's blessings or just by God's miracles? Because if you want to live by God's miracles, you are saying, I want to be in a crisis. Because miracles are designed for crisis. Blessings are designed to prevent the crisis. There is no water in a desert land and it took a miracle. But when they got to the promised land, it was a land that flowed with water. God does not need the rock because he's provided a river. You hear what I'm saying? I believe that God wants his blessings to start chasing us down rather than us having to chase the miracle. Deuteronomy 28 says, It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So personal responsibility, because we're talking about believers here. We're not talking about the saving grace of God that reaches, you know what I mean, into the unbelief of people and, you know what I mean, whatever state they're in. But now all of a sudden we're believers. And so there's responsibility, you know, that opens the door of blessing. When you have blessing, it does not, you know, eliminate miracles because life will always, there will always be a place for miracles in your life in order to go ahead and trigger blessing. God wants to trigger blessing. He says this, that all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you will obey the voice of the Lord your God. Literally it means, he says, the blessing will chase you down. Chase you down. See, when God started creation, his original intent was based upon his word, blessed. It says, God created, God made, and God blessed. Sin moves in and corrupts God's creation, spoils the ground, Bad seeds appear. Harvest is minimized. And so due to that fact, there will always be need and room for miracles. 
But Genesis 1 says, God bless them. Be fruitful, multiply. I've given you every herb, every tree, every seed, every beast, every bird, everything that creeps, everything that's got any life in it. I've given it to you for food or provision for blessing. So the creation and God's idea originated with blessing. That out of and along with. When Joshua set his foot into the land of Canaan, the miracle door, that is, things that happened independent only God himself was doing ended in the life of the children of Israel and the door of blessing opened up. So now it was not just God doing it, it was God in them doing it. When they were in the wilderness They won the battles by miracles. Hail coming from the heavens. Supernatural events taking place. And then when they get into the land of promise, they're the ones that are drawing the sword and winning the battles. So one is God working for you, and the other one is God working with you. It's all God, without a doubt. One is not necessarily more minimized or maximized than the other. It's the equation of the two. In Joshua chapter five, we see the longest running miracle recorded in the Bible come to an end. It says the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. The children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate food of the land. You get in the picture? Forty-year miracle comes to an end but not any less supply. Fact is, the, the, the supply, you know, they got tired of the miracle supply. Exodus chapter 16 says they ate manna for 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. That temporary sustaining element of God for them in the time of crisis. See, the wilderness is not a place of permanence. It is a place of miracles. God intends us to live 
in the sphere of blessing and not just live our lives on miracles. Now, I love miracles, and I have them, and I believe that blessing is miracles. But you know that miracles have limitations. You say, why, Pastor? They have limitations. Number one, miracles are time-sensitive. The miracle of manna. You go out in the morning. You collect what you need for the day. For those that disregarded God's instructions, they kept it, and it didn't turn into a blessing, did it? Not at all. Miracles are time-sensitive in the fact that it's an opportunity. Jesus, as he was here and ministering to the, the land of Israel over there, he said you, there was an opportunity for your miracle. If you had known, if you could have captured, you could have had a miracle. But he said, it's past now. It's past. It doesn't make miracles, you know what I mean, any less powerful. But why you want blessing in your life and not just miracles? Miracles can't be passed down to the next generation unless the miracles has spawned a blessing. If it spawned a blessing, then again. In God's plan of blessing, you know, is to pass it down to your children. Your children's children. Both spiritual and natural. Proverbs 13, and says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Their blessings are generational in nature. While miracles are for the moment. And miracles are for a specific need, generally speaking. He who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no Lack. A miracle meets an immediate need. Miracles are often one-time occurrences, whereas blessings are in abundance and all the time. Blessings are for every day, while miracles are for crisis. Blessings make it so that you can be a blessing to others. Miracles allow you, of course, to testify of the greatness of God. But invariably, they're immediately consumed. Whether the crisis is big or little, I've heard testimonies about miracles, and a invariably it is I have a need, and let's take a financial need, and I have a financial need, say of you know nine hundred and sixty-five dollars, and and uh, so 
I don't have the $965 in the debt and the time is coming due. And all of a sudden, you know, from someone that I don't know, no one knows my need, all of a sudden there arrives this amount. And invariably it is an amount directly for the need. It is a miracle, but it's for a crisis. Now if it comes, if it comes greater than the crisis, then it is both a miracle and a blessing. The miracle is a blessing in itself, but it reaches beyond the immediacy of the, the hour. I tell you the story about my father when, they, when he was young, uh, and, and he lived during the Depression, and I don't know what the Depression is. All, all I know is that he worked for 50 cents a day. You know, uh, you couldn't get anybody to get up for 50 cents a day and go to work. But he worked for 50 cents a day. And uh, so he knew what the depression was like. And he didn't have food for the table. And so he went and he, he killed a deer. Uh, and of course, you know, the DNR says you can't do that. So try to, you know, abide by the DNR. <laughs> and, and, but as he killed the deer, got home, he went to the, he went to the mailbox and... Had he waited, you know, two hours, he would not have had to at least violate his own conscience. Went to the mailbox, and there was a $50 bill. With the words of the scripture in it, what shall separate us from the love of God, shall tribulation, shall pestilence, shall famine. A miracle. A miracle. But I saw, I saw his life, I saw his ministry move from miracle to blessing. That when my parents passed away and gone, they left us kids an inheritance, every one of us. So from a miracle, you know, finally God got the blessing to the table. If you need a miracle today, God has it. But he wants to get a blessing to your household. Blessings that measure in such a way that you can bless others. Because he said to Abraham, I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. That overflow. You have enough for more than just yourself. Blessing is such a, a scriptural principle is that God says that, that I want you to be able to give to those that have need. Well, you can't give to those that have need if you don't have more than just what you need. Somebody say praise the Lord. You know? But it's when you have more than what you need, then you're able to feed the hungry. You're able to clothe the naked. Blessings. At the blessing of Abraham, 
Miracles are awesome. I sure want you to know that I don't put them down. Spectacular, supernatural display of God, his glory, and his power. But he doesn't intend for you to live on them in a daily basis. The purpose of the cross is not for you just to receive some occasional miracle in the time of crisis, but it's to make you joint heirs with God, God's blessing in Christ, and to walk in God's blessing every day of your life. That's the purpose of the cross. That the blessing might come upon us through the Spirit, we might have a supernatural connection to the world of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. It's when our spiritual life begins to overflow into our natural life. I like what Paul wrote in Galatians, and he said this, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7 Therefore you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. The cross is God's reach to get the blessing to our, to our table. When you become an heir, everybody knows what an heir is. I don't know who the richest person is here this morning, but I'm adoptable. <laughs> I'm adoptable. <laughs> but when, when you get adopted, what, what happens? You become an heir to what is that families. And that's what happens in Jesus Christ, is we become an heir, we, we become adopted, we become a son, and so therefore, you know what I mean? What belongs to the Father, Jesus said, belongs to him, and Jesus said, what belongs to him belongs to you. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. See, Christian life, the church life, the Jesus life, you know, it's not something that, that, is, that constrains and trokes your life. No. It's something that brings you into you know, a greater life than ever possible outside of Jesus Christ. Yes, you can gain the whole world. But what profit is that if your soul and your life is unhealthy? What good is all of that if somehow, you know, that missing of joy and peace and security and a sense of being loved and knowing that your eternal destiny is set, you have to worry about it every day. It's a drain on you. But one of the gifts of the blessings of the Lord is God gives us peace. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, meekness, temperance, patience, long-suffering. I mean, you're just better all the way around 
in the blessing of the Lord. Because you can get a miracle complaint tomorrow. That's what Israel did. They got a miracle one day and complained about it the next day. You get into blessing, and there is a character and a nature that comes with blessing. Yeah. He's a God of, that's a rewarder. He's a God that if you give him a sacrifice, you'll be amazed at what happens with your offering. I put it this way. If you give God your lunch, you watch and see what he does with your lunch. But so many people are afraid to give God their lunch. Five loaves and two fishes, it's just enough for me. Jesus says, well, guess what? You know what I mean? There's a multitude that needs to be fed. He's ready to perform a miracle so they can become a blessing. You, you catch that? See, the miracle became a blessing. The miracle is not just for personal consumption. The miracle is designed so that it can get to the multitudes. The cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest sacrifice that there is. Jesus offered himself a sacrifice. He gave a sacrifice, and what did God do with it? Resurrection is what God did with it. He brought life back to it. And as a result of bringing life back to it, now it becomes the blessing to the whole earth. Just a small picture of what, you know, your lunch and what your sacrifice will do in the hands of the Almighty. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, the Lord's bringing you into a a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, and fountains, and springs, and flows out of valleys and hills. Now, you, you ask, let me ask you this. You want the wilderness with the miracle, or you want the promised land with the rivers, you know, in the brooks, in the waters? Of course, we want the promised land because it fits better. He says the blessings will chase you down. Deuteronomy 28 says, and these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And he begins to render the arenas that blessing affects your life. The first one is in, in, in trying to get some words that, that capitalize it is exaltation. God says, you know what I mean, that, that 
I will set you high above all the nations. Exaltation. God says that people are going to be able to see that my hand is upon you. Isn't that what happened to Abraham? Abraham, when we go into these foreign countries and they, he, they said, you know what I mean? We, we can't touch you because we see that God is with you. You can see the blessing of the Lord and they recognize the blessing of the Lord because that's what God says. I'm going to give you exaltation. People are going to see the blessing of the Lord upon you. I'm not talking about that somehow you're going to be a millionaire, but they'll be able to see you walk through troublesome times with peace and confidence and assurance and, you know, no anxiety and fret and, you know. He says, I'll give you prosperity. In other words, he's simply saying, you're going to have good results. I'll give you, I'll give you good results. These are the things that are going to come upon you. Victory. He says, people that, that are against you, all of a sudden, they're being against you, it's just going to come to naught. He said, I'll make you the head and not the tail. Well, he's saying that, he's saying, you know, rather than you would have to go to people for counsel, people are going to come to you for counsel. That's the blessing of the Lord. He says, I'll make you fruitful. You're going to see it in your family. He goes on to say, you'll see it when you rise up, when we sit down. You'll be able to go out and you'll be able to come in and, you know, you're not going to have to fear. And then he says, he's also going to give you health. He's saying that sickness is just not going to have free reign in your life. You're not going to be able to bypass mortality. All right? You're mortal. There's mortal things, but it's not going to be a ruling factor in your life. He said, I want to get that blessing under your table. I want you to see that I can heal you of your sickness but I also can give you health to keep you from your sickness amen I asked my musicians to come this morning <clears throat> a blessing is still God's power but it flows through natural laws and channel, channels the greatest miracle is preventative. It is the application of yourself in natural laws that help produce the blessings. If you don't work, you don't eat. Natural laws, the application. Blessings are associated with planting seeds and work. <clears throat> yes. Deuteronomy 28 says that God will open his good treasures. Luke chapter 8 says, if you give, it shall be given. Miracles are wonderful and they bring temporary solutions. 
but blessings, they keep us from needing a solution. Amen? God says, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Miracles are short-lived, but blessings last longer. And blessings are the result of relationship with the Lord. Relationship with the Lord. It says the blessing comes through Jesus Christ, you know, and by the Spirit. Yes. The blessing that I'm talking about this morning is, is as supernatural and as divine as miracles are. But the recipe in the channel includes your involvement and your participation and your relationship with Jesus Christ. John chapter 15 says, Jesus said this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, shall ask what you will and it shall be done. There's always stress in relationship. Always stressing intimacy, time with him, loving him. The first commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. God really wants you to get involved in this thing. You can't just love the Lord with your heart. (laughs) Well, that's what it says. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. See, some people are trying to get the blessing in their life with just loving God with their heart. And you gotta start loving God with all of you. Because the appetites of those other arenas of your life are going to do damage to your affections of your heart. They will. Yeah. You can fall in love with a woman, and if you let affections come in, it will start to do damage. And that woman, I'm talking about your wife, you know what I mean, or at least leading up to it. I get myself in trouble here. Uh, You say you love her with all your heart. Well, guess what? If, if her birthday comes around and anniversary doesn't come around and all you got is your heart, you're in trouble. <laughs> you better have some, you know, strength, some soul, some mind, some words. You better put it all together. Well, that's what God is saying. Come on. Come on, I know you gave me your heart. Why don't you go ahead now and try and give me the rest of your life? Give me the rest of your life. Because I want to get the Father's blessing to every son's house, to every daughter's house. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. If you need a miracle, I want you to believe for a miracle. I do. I don't want you not believing for a miracle. 
But I don't want you to stop believing for the miracle. I want you to start, you know, moving toward believing that God wants your life blessed. So that you can become a blessing. You will consume your miracle, but you'll have an opportunity to pass on your blessing. You can turn your miracle into a blessing. The turning of the water into wine was a miracle. But filling the cups of the attendees was the blessing. So if God's given you a miracle, and most of us he has, don't leave it in the barrel. Start passing it out to the occasion. That was a wedding, but yours might not be a wedding. It might be something else. But pass it out and bless and make it a blessing. Father, we thank you this morning that you sent Jesus Christ to bless us. Not only that our life might be fulfilled and full, but that we might become a blessing. And Lord, would you help us to translate that now? What it would mean, how it applies and how we can release it. For it'd be different in each one. But whatever that difference is, let it, God, come to pass, we pray. I bless the people. Father, I pray for their table this morning as Psalmist 23 says. I'm asking you to prepare a table before them in the presence of their enemies. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to get the blessing to the table of each one in each household in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Go with God to encourage one another. You know, daily encourage one another. God bless you.